Hello and welcome to the Life Enchanted podcast. We're on a mission to optimize our lives through faith, health, wisdom, and much more. Thank you for joining us on our journey. Here now is our host, Nick Carlisle. What is good, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Nick Carlisle here, and welcome back to another episode of the Life Enchanted podcast, where I tend to nerd out on all things faith, health, interesting, and optimizing. If you're not already following me on Instagram, at nick.carlisle, that is, go ahead and find me on there, hit that follow button, send me a DM perhaps. I am very active on the gram and would love to connect with you personally. This episode, as always, is brought to you by MyLifeEnchanted.com, which is where you can find all things related to the Life Enchanted movement. I have a free 30-page eating guide on there. I have some links to some of my favorite products. I have some hoodies and some shirts I designed. The Truth Pack is on there as well. So go check all of that out. Thanks again for tuning in. Now let's get into it. Today's guest is my guy, Shane Pruitt, and this was a very fun and encouraging and inspiring conversation that I got to have with Shane. He's a super solid dude. He's an author, speaker, blogger, pastor, father, husband. He's the National Next Gen Evangelism Director for the North American Mission Board. He currently lives in Rockwall, Texas with his family. He has a bachelor's degree in biblical studies, a master's degree in history, and a PhD in clinical Christian counseling. And... You'll get a feel for it in this episode, but he's just an all-around, solid, likable dude, and I really enjoyed chatting with him. You can find him online at shanepruitt.com. That's P-R-U-I-T-T.com. He's on Instagram at Shane underscore Pruitt78. Without further ado, my conversation with Shane Pruitt, ladies and gentlemen. So I was hoping we could start with a little bit of your background, man. So Give us the kind of Cliff Notes version of how you got to where you are today, traveling and speaking and writing and spreading the gospel. So, man, I grew up in Texas and uh, been in Texas my whole life. Uh, like you said, I travel and speak nationally, uh, internationally, but been in Texas most of my life as home. Um, I did not grow up in church. I think is that's often surprising for people when they found out yeah. that I grew, grew up in Texas, that I didn't grow up in church. Uh, <laughs> man, if you would have asked me as a teenager, if I was a Christian, I would have said, yes, you know, cause I live in Texas. Uh, I believe in the big man. I believe in the big man upstairs, you yeah. know, and yeah. you know, cause it's like God country and guns, but man, I was lost. Uh, did not know the Lord, man. Uh, sadly, if I would have died that way, I would have spent an eternity separated from God. I didn't mm. know him at all. Um, and, uh, when I was 16, uh, my aunt was in a car wreck. She was, uh, alcoholic, uh, fell asleep at the wheel. Unfortunately, uh, drove off the road, died. Um, and my, yeah, my parents, same thing. They probably would have said they were Christians, but we were not involved in church at all. Um, so man, we went to her funeral and man, I believe that was probably the first time I'd ever even been inside of a church building. Um, and that was on a Thursday, the following Tuesday, the pastor who spoke at her funeral made an unexpected house visit on a Tuesday night with the deacon. Uh, I just got home from basketball practice, knocked on the door. True story. Uh, man, I panicked because we never had a preacher in our house before. <laughs> so I opened the door and I go, ah, it's the preacher and slammed the door in his face. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, but 
eventually, you know, we let him in. And right there in the living room of the house, man, he just shared the gospel. Uh, both my mom and dad surrendered their life to Jesus, man. Radical wow. change in them. I saw the biggest change in my dad. Mm. Uh, man, I grew up in the country. So my dad's just a good old boy, country yeah. boy, just kind of hard. Uh, first time I ever saw him cry was when I was 16 and he gave his life to Jesus. Wow. Um, that night, I became what I would intentionally call a fan of Jesus because mm-hmm. of what I saw him do in my parents' life. So I prayed some prayer because they did, but it didn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Um, but the following Sunday, we went to church for the first time. And then, man, I went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every youth event, every youth camp, uh, uh, from 16 to 21, every college event. But, man, I was living a double life mm-hmm. away from the church building. Uh, my trinity was not Father, Son, Holy Spirit. My trinity were sports chasing girls and partying Mm -hmm. um and man there would be plenty of times where my emotions uh would get stirred at a a church service and man i i pray this prayer a thousand times god i'm sorry i'm gonna do better i'm gonna try harder i'm gonna fix it i'm gonna stop sleeping my girlfriend i'm gonna stop getting high i'm gonna stop partying i'm gonna you know it's basically making god all these promises yeah um and one thing that i realized later on uh is through those prayers i was saying i a whole lot so really, it was self-righteous. It was just religion. Uh, you know, I always say religion is what man tries to do for their God. Uh, the gospel is what God did for us. Um, and But I didn't understand mm-hmm. that, you know. And so uh, that prayer might work for a day, a week, a month. But eventually, I'd return right back to it. So it's this, like, never-ending cycle. Yeah. Which, Nick, if, man, if you've been around people who go to church for very much at all they know about that cycle no doubt of making god promises running back to the same junk that's and the making human god condition more prizes, man. yeah running back to the same junk uh and you know proverbs has this really kind of in your face verse that says it's like a dog returning to its vomit uh man that's really <laughs> yeah. graphic yeah. but that's attention i mean because sin is gross you know mm-hmm. and you just keep going back to it and then when i was 21 man something different happened uh we had a guy uh, speak at our church. It was for a college event. Uh, his name is Mark Job. Uh, Mark Job is the dad of Carrie Job, which oh, is yeah. a famous, you know, Christian artist singer. Um, and I don't even remember what he was preaching. I, I I don't even remember, but I just remember something was different that night. And man, whenever I just surrendered, I surrendered all. And I mean, mm. even the prayer was different. Instead of God, instead of me making God all these promises by going, God, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. It, it was completely the opposite prayer. It was God. I can't. I give yes, up. I dude. quit. I surrender unless you take over, unless you save me, unless you change me from the inside out, unless this is you doing it. Then, God, this is how I'm going to be. I'm either going to die, I'm going to end up in jail, or I'm just worse than even any of that. I'm just going to fake it for the rest of my life in this never ending cycle and rut. So, God, I give up. I quit. I surrender. I can't. And, uh, man, I tell people this often that the world will, will not tell you this. But I think when it comes to the gospel, those two words, I can't, are sometimes the most beautiful words God can hear. Because the first step to knowing he can is knowing you can't. And so, I was, mm. and man, it was just complete surrender. Now, hey, man, I am not perfect. I mess up every day. But, man, I, I changed that night. Uh, my identity changed. You know, I went from lost to found. I went from yeah. an orphan to a child of the Most High God. I went from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And so my identity change, which once again, uh, I believe that's the work of the gospel. The gospel changes who you are. And then over time, it will change what you do. 
you know, mm-hmm. but I tell people like, it changes your identity mm-hmm. and then over time it will change your activity and yes. how you live. Yes. So that night, man, it changed who I, I was at 21. And then man, I started hanging out with the pastor of the church. Uh, it was, it was so funny because we were the exact opposites, man. I was the party guy, you know, uh, man, the Jordans and, and jeans guy. And this pastor was in his late sixties. Uh, man, I think he wore dockers. Like he wore dockers every day of his life. I think he mowed his yard in dockers. You know what I mean? And like, like that dude had never drank a sip of alcohol in his life, but man, I loved him. He loved me. And so all my friends were part of yours. So I started sharing the gospel with them, but I knew I couldn't continue yeah. to go to the same stuff they were going to, or I'd fall right back into it. Yeah. So I spent all my time with this old pastor, man, of this small country Baptist church. And then one day he just said, hey, what are you going to do with your life? And I go, man, I don't know. And I'm almost 22 at the time. And he goes, hey, why don't you go to Bible college and learn the Bible until you figure it out? And I was like, man, I didn't even know there was a Bible college. So the next semester, I moved to Dallas, Texas started attending a Christian school and uh, man. Yeah. And then there I was discipled and, and had professors pouring to me and man, that's really where I I felt like I grew in walking with Jesus Mm -hmm. and grew in spiritual maturity. But yeah, man, I like, I didn't even know there was a Bible college. And so here I start this Bible college with all these guys and girls going into ministry. And I hadn't even been a Christian a year, you know? And so they're talking about all these like, yeah, man, they're talking about all these deep theological <laughs> concepts, and I was still calling, you know, Psalms poem. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't, I didn't know anything, you know? And they're like, they're like debating all these deep theological concepts from the last 500 years of Calvinism and yeah. Arminianism. And man, I had no clue what they were talking about. You're Nothing, like, what? You know? Some dude got swallowed by a fish? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was like, his name was Job, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So, man, I didn't know anything. But for me, I think moving to another town was like a reset for me because I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any history there. Mm. And, man, and then I just had some great professors, uh, man, that took an interest in me and met with me mm. and uh, poured into me. And so, man, for Bible college, I learned a great, you know, I learned some great ministry practices and some great doctrine and theology. But I say for me, that's where I was discipled. You know? Yes. Um, and so, yeah, man. And then from there on, man, God just opened doors uh, mm-hmm. to speak at places. And then, man, I became a youth pastor and then a teaching pastor and a lead pastor. Um, and now I serve uh, with the denomination uh, where we have 48,000 churches in our denomination. So I serve as the national next gen director for them. Mm. Uh, man, so I get to lead an awesome team and travel and speak across the nation. And man, our, our primary focus right now is Generation Z, those in college and high school and junior high. And man, get to speak to that generation, but also help other churches and ministries reach that generation with the gospel and mobilize them with the gospel to go tell their friends about Jesus. Yeah. So you brought up a lot of stuff that I want to get into. And the, the first thing that really stuck out to me, so one of our mutual friends, Jonathan Pakluda, not sure if you knew that, yep. but... Um, oh, wow. Yeah, man. Love JP. Yeah. Super solid, dude. He's been on the podcast and yeah, so solid. I highly recommend people check out his sermons. He's with Harris Creek, where you just pre- preached recently. Phenomenal sermon, yep. by the way. Well yeah. done there. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you. Totally. So one of the things he says is... Uh, in regards to spiritual formation and developing into Christ likeness is change your playmates and change your playground. 
And yep. it sounds like that was a big aspect of your journey in regards to changing your community and the pastor kind of befriending you, you coming alongside this 60 year old dude when you're a younger guy, um, you know, on, on polar opposite ends of the spectrum and then going to Bible college. And I'm sure there was a community there. Can you just speak to that in regards to how important a healthy community is or the people you surround yourself is, especially within the younger generation? Yeah, man. You know, there's that old saying, which I think can be practically true of like, hey, look around at the, you know, your five closest friends or your 10 closest friends. And you're probably the sum total of that. Yes. Um, you know, and so, man, I think that's true, man. Your your community is either going to push you towards Christ or try to drag you away from him without a doubt. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, now, I think one thing we do have to be careful of is the longer we follow Jesus, uh, if we're not careful, man, we can get in a thick bubble of just Christianity and spiritual jargon to where it, one day we look up and go, man, I don't even know any lost people. And man, mm. I don't think that's what God's called us to either. You know what I mean? Because Good Jesus point. was obviously a friend of sinners. Yes. And so, man, I think what we have to do is go, all right, man, when I'm around lost people, uh, man, my goal is to love them where they are encourage them serve them lost people are not our enemies they're our mission field yes. you know yes, um, that's but good. they're yeah um but they're also not our projects people can see right through that if they feel like they're your project so we don't want that but we, so we do have to surround ourselves i think with lost people um but in those moments man we go in prayed up intentional to go okay i'm here to influence and not be influenced yeah um, because i think that's where we get it wrong is sometimes man uh, like, man, we become a new, cre- you know, we become a new creation in Christ, but man, we still hang out with our old crew mm-hmm. and man, it's hard to grow when you're only around your old crew, mm-hmm. uh, as a new creation. And so, man, you got to have, I think a new crew, um, that man, they want to see you become more like Jesus. They want to see you grow in maturity. They want to hold you accountable with love and kindness. Um, but so I think it's kind of uh, a both and on there is like, Man, change your scenery, change your crew of like growing and being influenced by them. But that also sends us out to go be an influencer to those who are lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where often we don't we don't harmonize that very well because you either have those brothers and sisters who go all in on Christian community. Praise the Lord for that. But then they forget about their lost friends and their lost family. And then one day you look up and go, Hey man, how are you living on mission? How are you sharing the gospel? And they go, I don't know any lost people. Mm. Well, cause they, they cut all those relationships off. They burned all those bridges. Um, and so, man, I think we need to be influenced by our Christian community, but we also need to influence those who we called to live on mission around as well. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus said very plainly that it's, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick, yeah. and, and that's who we should be catering to. But there, there is a fine line there of being fed from your community and growing spiritually and, and making sure that you are solid yourself so that when you are out in the field, so to speak, or out and about or with, with the, the sick, that you yeah. can provide some value. And there's, there's intention there. That's the key is that there, there needs to be intentionality there. You can't be just going back into your ways and being the same old person. There has to be intention of being a light and let 
and letting Christ shine through you. That needs to kind of be working subconsciously. And for that to be working subconsciously, it needs to be healthy and needs to be growing. And there needs to be intentionality behind it. That, that, that is what's going on. That is the goal. That is your purpose. Yes. Yeah. And I agree, Nick. And I would say too, to know there's safe places to say, okay, man, you know, I used to roll with this crew. None of them know Jesus. And so for me to go, okay, Hey, I want to still invest in them. I want to be a light to them. I want to be salt to them. I want to share the gospel with them. But I need to do it in safe places, meaning Starbucks in the middle of the day or a restaurant for lunch. It's not, hey, I'm going to go to the club with them so that I can be salt light. Hey, I'm not going to go to the house where I know there's going to be bongs and beer to be salt light because that never works well for you. Great point. That's that's a huge point right now, right there and probably key to it all. Yeah. 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 Can you compare your faith now to your faith 10 years ago? Like how has your faith evolved in regards to practices or how you view certain things or uh, just your relationship with the Lord? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, man. Yeah. I think Nick just, man. And I was like this, even when I didn't know Jesus, man, I'm naturally a driven person. Um, I, I, I can lose myself in my work. I got that a lot from my dad. My dad's the hardest working guy I know. He had to drop out of school in eighth grade because his dad died. So he had to go to work for his family, man, and his siblings wow. and his and his mom. And and so, dude, for the most part of my life, my dad had multiple jobs, not just a job, but multiple jobs. And even now he's retired and he still can't sit still. So he retires one day and starts a tractor business the next day. You know what I mean? And so, <laughs> yeah. so, so I've gotten a lot of that from him of just, you know, working hard. So I think early on, uh, man, as a believer, as a husband, as somebody in ministry, man, I was so driven with like, okay, goals and vision and mission and, you know, and, Man, and when I first got into ministry, that was back in the kind of like the purpose-driven days. I don't know if you remember the Pur- book, you know, Purpose-Driven Church yes. and Purpose-Driven Life. And so, man, I had all these purposes and core values. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think one thing the Lord has taught me over these last 10 years is to hold all those things loosely where I didn't before. And I think I set myself up for a lot of frustration, anger, heartache. Uh, because I would hold on to those things and almost make them idols. Yes. Even though verbally, I would say they were for the glory of God. Yeah. Uh, my practice was more like they were for the glory of me. Yes, it was and I think over the centered as opposed to Christ-centered. No doubt, no doubt. And it's easy to spiritualize it, right? Yes, totally. Um, and it's easy to go, oh, man, it's all for God's glory, man. It's all for Him. But, man, I don't think my practice showed that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so over the last 10 years, man, the Lord has told me, you know, taught me and my wife both together on the same journey. And I'll explain why he taught us this and who he taught us this through. Um, as he said, you know, he's taught us this, like, hey, it's good to have goals, good to have vision, good to have purpose, good to have core values. Uh, but, man, you better hold on to them loosely because yeah. he has a plan. Mm-hmm. He has a will and he has a purpose that's exceedingly uh, abundantly better than ours, I mean, you know? Amen. Amen. Yeah. And sometimes to grab his dream for our life, we have to die to our own dreams for our life. Um, Corey Tim Boone said it this way. I hold all things loosely so that God doesn't have to pry them out of my hands, you know? And so, oh man. And, and, but what taught us that Nick over these last, uh, man, and for us, and so yes, 10 years for us has been last eight years is our son Titus. 
So, man, we have six kids that are 14 and under. That is a prayer request. All right? uh, yeah. Dude. So we have yeah. So we have two biological daughters and then we have four adopted kiddos or four kiddos through adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, our eight year old son is adopted from Uganda. Uh, he has unique needs. Um, he has a very rare seizure disorder called uh, Lennox Gastro syndrome. So it means he suffers from multiple forms of seizure. Mm-hmm. So over these eight last over these eight you know, um, last year's, uh, man, he's had 13 surgeries in and out of the hospital, constant doctor visits, constant therapies. Um, man, as a father, there's no kind of suffering, like watching your child suffer. Um, but man, here's what the Lord has taught us is that over these last eight years, we lay our hands on our son and we pray for God to physically heal our son because uh, we believe that we believe Mm -hmm. that just with a thought, that Titus could get up and run and play and laugh mm. and talk and get in trouble just like his siblings do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because Titus, uh, you know, backtracking a little bit, uh, he's in a wheelchair. He doesn't communicate like you and I communicate. Uh, he's fed through a G-tube. Um, but, man, what's, what's crazy and just the irony of God is that, man, over these last eight years, as we've been praying for God to heal our son Titus, God has used our son Titus to heal us, man. Mm. Uh, and uh, besides the Holy Spirit himself, our greatest teacher is our son Titus, man, uh, because God uh, through Titus has, I believe, made me a better father of Jesus, uh, a better husband, better father, um, a better leader, a better follower, a better friend. Mm. Um, because man, we really do not know what tomorrow holds for him. Yeah. Um, we just take it a day at a time. We enjoy a day at a time and it's a cliche, but it's so true. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we do know who holds tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So man, we just say, man, we know this is what God's called us to today. We don't know what tomorrow looks like. We trust the Lord with tomorrow, but man, today we're going all in, man. And we're going to hold all things loosely and just trust the Lord. Our yes is on the table. And when we say yes to God at salvation, that's really the only answer we can ever give him again. Yes, Lord. And I think God has really taught us that through our son. But, man, we had to do a lot of dying to ourselves, a mm. lot of dying to our idols of consumerism and convenience and comfort. In fact, I think one thing the Lord's taught me over these last 10 years is if our version of Christianity is always safe, comfortable, or convenient, it's probably not the Christianity of the New Testament, Amen. but some American version of Christianity that Amen. we've created, mm. you know? Um, and the Lord has just taught us that day by day. And I just feel like it's grown us and matured us. We got a long way to go, yes. a long way to go, but we are not the same people we were um, eight years ago, man. And no way. That's yeah. so good, man. God bless you guys for, for doing that work and taking that on it. Just six kids alone. And then you throw in the adoption and the special needs in there, man. It's just the, uh, I love where your heart's at. And I've, like I said, I've seen that through your Instagram and through your messages and stuff like that. And it's just powerful, powerful stuff. And one thing that I see, uh, and I'm connecting as you're talking about this is like, that is a parallel between really your first conversion and this new spiritual maturity and development of, that word surrender. It is, man. It is, bro. In fact, I tell people this, Nick, all the time. I, I feel like besides salvation itself, um, man, there's been three major shifts in my life that has taught me a whole new realm of the gospel. Uh, marriage, becoming yes. a, a spouse, a husband or a wife will teach you Amen. a whole new <laughs> element of the gospel, right? Uh, being a father, for me, being a father, 
has taught me a whole new realm of the gospel. You go, man, the love we have for our kids mm-hmm. uh, is just an inkling of the love our Heavenly Father exactly. has Exactly, yes, you dude. Know? That's yeah, a yeah. whole perspective shift. Sorry, keep going. Though. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And then a new element that we've learned uh, is by being uh, an adoptive father. I mean, I remember, man, the first time we went through the process of one of our kids and standing before a judge and them going, hey, by my expert opinion, uh, your family is the right family for this child. And this child's name was this. The child's name is now this. And then they add Pruitt at the end, which is our last name. And now here's this child that carries your name that at wow. one time is considered an orphan. I mean, that's the gospel. You know what I mean? That's a picture of the gospel. We were spiritual orphans, yes, and then dude. God did the work to adopt us, and now we carry his name, yes. and we have his inheritance. And so, man, that has just like grown us um, so much, man. Wow. And, and just being honest, Nick, you know, people ask us all the time, hey, uh, your son, man, if you knew over eight years ago what you know now, with all the surgeries, with all the heartaches, with all the tears, with, man, all the sleepless nights, with all the you know, stomach aches with all the visits with the mm-hmm. doctors and insurance and all that, would y'all have still said yes to adopting him over eight years ago if you knew then what you knew now? And I think just being honest in our superficiality, we would go, yes, I want to reveal some S on our chest and go, because we're super Christians, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we got we got a Jesus fish on our yeah. van. You know? yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but dude, if we were to be honest, man, just being honest and transparent, uh, man, the people who we were, over eight years ago, and I say that very intentionally, who we were over mm. eight years ago, would have probably said, no, we can't do that. That's too hard. That's more than we can handle. Uh, we're too busy. We're in ministry. We're too busy to do that. I mean, can you imagine? Totally, we're in man. ministry. We're too, we're too busy to do that. But once again, that's why a sovereign on purpose God did not consult with us. Yes. <laughs> he Amen. knew better. He knew better. You know what I mean? And so it is, man. It's surrender. And so this is what I tell people. Uh, here's where my theology lies. Um, and people have different views. That's okay. Here's where my theology lies. I believe this, that once you're truly, and that's the key, truly, once you're truly saved by the gospel, meaning once you've been truly bought with the blood of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. Here's where my theology lies. I believe the Bible says you are sealed to the day of redemption. So I believe this, once you're truly saved, you're always saved. Meaning if there's nothing you did to earn that, there's nothing you can do to lose it. So that's where my theology is. Mm. I, I believe I know that people have other views. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where my theology is. Once you truly have the Holy Spirit, there's nothing you can do to be separated from that. Now, but walking with the Lord is a moment by moment surrender. So I believe mm-hmm. you surrender once for salvation. I believe you surrender once for salvation. But following the Lord, discipleship, sanctification is a moment by moment surrender to the truth that Jesus really is better mm-hmm. than anything the world has to offer. Mm-hmm. And man, what over time that man, those moments turn into minutes, those minutes turn into hours, those hours turn into days, those days turn into weeks, the weeks turns into months, the months turn into years. And one day you look up and go, man, I've been following Jesus full surrender, man. I'm not perfect. I'm yes. not who I desire to be yet, but praise God by surrender. I'm not who I was 10 years ago. So yeah. good, man. So good. And yeah. And the reality behind it, if I can, you know, insert my little opinion here, is that Titus is most likely the answer to your guys' prayer to grow in maturity into Christ likeness. And I was reading sure. something this morning from this book um, called The Signature of Jesus. 
Um, and it's super solid read. I, the The author's name is Brennan, I believe. Can't remember, but he wrote the the Ragamuffin Gospel. Oh yeah, Manning, Brendan yeah. Manning. Yes, Brendan Manning. Yeah. yeah, solid book. And he's talking about this idea of the dark night of the soul and basically suffering and how yeah. Yeah. we need to uh, be aware that or be careful about what we pray for. If if you pray you. for humility, that means that it's going to come through humiliation. And if you want, you know what I'm saying? If you pray for a deeper prayer, prayer life, if you want to grow in your prayer life, then you're most likely going to encounter circumstances and experiences that force you to pray all day long because it's so hard to deal with by yourself that you have to surrender in prayer to the Father so that you can just work through it. But in those moments, in those dark, dark nights of the soul, in those sufferings, in those hard times is where the the suffering produces perseverance as james tells us you know so um wow. that's that's a whole shift in like in in our goals you know like okay lord like in our in our perspective of what we're going to walk through like all right lord this is the suffering produces perseverance like if this is what i'm going through this is what i need to do and i'm going to come uh on the other side of this come out on the other side of this as a as a better human i mean it's a it's like working out like you know you make your muscles suffer yep. so they can get stronger or it's like taking cold showers even it's like this hormesis thing what what doesn't kill you makes you stronger you have to develop resilience through putting your body and your mind through tough things so that it's stronger and better and has stronger defenses later man i love that nick that dude spot on man i love that and that's so true man if you look at your life and every area of your life, every accomplishment can be explained by your own efforts going, well, I did this, I planned this, I worked hard, I did, you know what I mean? Like if every area of your life and accomplishments can be explained by what you did and the work you did or the strategy you had or the plans you put in place, then you look at that and go, well, where was God in that? Mm -hmm. You know, like, man, I, man, I think our desire is like, man, we want to have areas of our life where we go, you know what? God truly, not just spiritual jargon, he truly gets the glory because if we tried to do that by our own power, we would have fallen completely on our face. Amen. And so, man, we want to look and say, go, what areas of our life do we have where if God doesn't show up or he didn't show up, it would have been a massive failure. Yes. And those are the areas where you see God show up. And those are the areas where you go, God truly gets the glory. Because, man, we would have been absolute failures in that without him. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And then you add that in your testimony, and that just allows you to minister to other people and disciple to other people better. Like, people can ask you questions all the time, hard questions all the time. Like, I'm a firm believer in... Um, in sharing your experience over the questions like you know i don't know about the dinosaurs in the bible you know i don't know <laughs> yeah, why right. there's so much right. suffering and all these different things and there's good answers to those things but here's what i do know is that the father showed up when i started seeking him and praying for him and these are you know the instances in my life where prayer was answered and you know just sharing our experience i've i've found to be the most compelling argument or discipleship tool um, to bring people closer to the Father. So um, we can't discount that. I love that. it, man. I love it. Yeah, I love man. it. 
Hey, so what was that Brendan Manning quote? Uh, if you pray for humility, it's going to bring it through humiliation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Be prepared dude, I, for humiliation. I, I'm like, dude, no. I typed that, that up over here. Because <laughs> that resonates so deeply with me, man. Yeah, I know. yeah that like, resonates hey, so I'm, deeply. I'm going to stop yeah. praying for humility. <laughs> oh, man. No, no doubt. Man, you because know. even that spiritual maturity of like, God, use me, man. You know, God, use me for your glory. God, grow me in your faith. Like God, use me to point others to you. I mean, I think often we just think, man, we're just going to wake up one day and man, and we think of like this favor in a comfortable way. And typically God's going to use you through suffering. God's going to use you through your test and God's going to use you through, man, those connection points of pain. Usually you think about it, the often the greatest way you can minister to somebody is through mutual pain points, you know? Oh yeah, yeah that's good, dude. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. God's way, I mean, we all, I, I've said this a lot, but I feel like through my experience, um, speaking of sharing experience, like we, we always have this straight line that we want to follow uh, between us currently and where we want to be. Like, all right, Lord, this is where I want to go. This is the job I want to have. This is the relationship I want to have. This is the life I want to have. This is the money I want to make. This is the influence I want to have. This is the platform I want to have. All these different things. We have like this straight line. And from my experience, time and time again, um, it it is not a straight line. It's a zigzag that takes 10 <laughs> detours and then some random other side street pops up that you go down into an alleyway and then there's a tunnel you have to crawl through and then you get through that tunnel and then you meet some random person and they have a connection there and then you have this deep conversation and it's just the Lord's path is never our own path and it's so significantly better than our own and that that's truth man that is the truth of our existence that is reality of our existence that the that the father's path is going to be better than our own and we're going to end up in ultimate glory with him in eternity but we still try and hold on we still trying to we still try to maintain control that's a huge part of it we still want control it's so hard to going back to the surrender word to surrender yep. to those different paths those different alleys those different tunnels those different conversations and networkings and stuff like that but it's all ultimately better but we only get there through surrender and submitting our will Sick. to the fathers dude and just like staying in prayer and staying open and honest and transparent with people and and keep moving in that direction there's so much more fulfillment and purpose and joy and peace and hope down those off the beaten road paths, dude, than than what's on the other side of our own forging of these own paths that are that are works based and ego and our own, you know, pride and identity, just of ways of the world. Like that's where everyone is going. They're trying to go down those paths and there's so much suffering and shame and guilt and, you know, insecurity and all these different things. And the world is fighting against these things and anxiety and depression. We see all of these things manifesting in our society, but it's like, man, if you guys, going back to that word, surrender and regress and then take the opposite route that is being, the door is opened with with the loving hands of Jesus. Like go that way and you will be fulfilled. It's easier, it's lighter, but it doesn't mean it's void of suffering. No doubt, man. And and honestly, Nate, man, I think a lot of it, it's our fault as Christian leaders, man, because if we're not careful, man, we present this gospel yes. uh, in a way that's not a biblical gospel. Because I mean, sometimes the gospel is, Hey, man, you know, God's just head over heels in love with you. 
and hey, you just keep doing you, accept him, and you get to keep doing you with fire insurance. And that's mm. not the gospel of the New Testament because the gospel of the New Testament is not a, hey, come believe in yourself and Jesus is going to be your co-pilot. The gospel of the New Testament is come and die um, yes. and find life in Christ, but die to yourself first, you know, and find life in Christ. And to know this, that, man, you know, I, I, I think the Lord, you know, I always use that loosely or like the Lord told me or I think the Lord gave me because, man, that can get really scary when people start saying those things. You totally, know? totally. So I'm like, I think it came from the Lord. I wrote it down. I think it holds true theologically. But, man, I wrote this in my Bible about five years ago, and it really just has shifted the way I view everything is that, man, at the end of the day, Jesus does not desire to be a part of our life. He desires to be our life. And that's radically different. Mm. I think we just, we operate, you know, and this kind of goes into a counseling area of we compartmentalize everything, right? So we go, okay, I got my church life and then I got my job life and then I got my school life and I got my relationships life and I got my hobby life. And it kind of looks like this pie Mm -hmm. and it's all broken up and we just add Jesus as another slice of the pie. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is draw a big cross over all of that. And Jesus owns it all now, you know, so he's not a part of your life. He is your life. And that's radically different. Yes. Yes. I love that. And becoming like a, a uh, completely unified, unique expression surrendered to Christ, but of Christ. So you are, you are a unique expression of the creator God through Christ, but fully surrendered and allowing that to be your life and all your idiosyncrasies and all these different things manifest as this unique expression of being created in the likeness of the father, I think is a very empowering thing, but it gets close to pride there. And it it gets close to, you know, um, like being full of yourself and look how cool I am so that you have to kind of tote that line and be, be weary of that, but surrendering and, and embracing your identity as a unique expression of Christ so that people can see the father through you and Christ through you, I think is a very empowering selfless uh, posture to have that, that isn't easy to develop, but needs to be done. If we, if we want to continue to make our mark, um, on the world and and develop into Christ likeness. I love it, man. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. I could talk about this all day. Me with too. You, man. I love it. Me too, yeah. dude. Um, so going back to to next gen, you mentioned next gen a little bit ago, and I want to connect that with uh, how you were just talking about not presenting the gospel as you know some easy path of, you know, God's got this, the prosperity gospel, all these different things, everything's going to be, you know, paved roads and all good for you. Um, And I know going back to JP as well, JP is like super uh, authentic and honest uh, and transparent in his messages and shares like about his previous pornography addiction and a lot of his sin that's currently had, like he says stuff from the pulpit that a lot of preachers wouldn't say. Um, And, and he says that because he knows how much it connects, the authenticity connects with the younger generation and actually serves to uh, be an asset in transforming people. So how do you integrate that or see that in your speaking and engagement with uh, the next gen program that you guys have? Yeah, man, I think transparency does lead to transformation. You know, um, man, I think especially, man, young millennials, Generation Z, um, you know, they're, they're not going to connect with a leader or a communicator that is not authentic, transparent, and willing to talk about the hard things. 
Um, you know, and what's crazy is that like our dad's generation, our granddad's generation, even as preachers and pastors, they were almost taught in seminary and Bible college, never use yourself as an example. Never use yourself as a personal illustration um, because, man, those people in the church, they need to have a certain view of their pastor. Yeah. And first of all, I don't I don't think that's healthy uh, because the higher that platform gets, the further it is a fall down. Yes. You know? um, I don't Which think we've it's seen healthy. with numerous pastors. No doubt, man. No doubt. And then when a leader falls, then everyone who is following that leader just struggles deep with their own faith because a lot of it, they've placed their faith in that leader and not their faith in Christ. Yes. You know? um, and so, man, so first of all, I don't think it's healthy. Second of all, man, people in their 20s and teenagers and 30s, uh, and I would say even in their 40s, they're just not going to connect with that mm-hmm. uh, because if a leader is not willing to share their own struggles, their own weaknesses, their own need for the gospel every single day, then people look at that and go, that's not real. Mm-hmm. And if it's not real, I don't want to be a part of it. Because, mm-hmm. man, uh, man, especially millennials and Gen Z, man, they're agenda weary. They're worn out on the slick presentations. They're worn out on the agendas. They're worn out on the fake. Uh, man, uh, yes. they almost expect you at some point to let them down. So you got to build up that trust. And, man, the more you try to be uh, pretend to have it all figured out all together, uh, I think the less patient they are for that. Mm-hmm. Um, or or they look at that and go, man, that guy's got it all together. He's got it all figured out. I could never be like that. So I'm not even going to aspire or attain to follow that leader, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And so, man, we want to be authentic. We want to be transparent. We want to walk with character and integrity. We want to be able to legitimately say what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11. 1, imitate me as I imitate the Lord. But I also know that when we're transparent and we're authentic, then it gives permission for them to be transparent and be authentic, you know? Um, And so, man, it's got to happen, man. And JP, man, I love that brother. Man, I I joke with him. He's like the Pied Piper for young adults. You (laughs) know what I mean? Like they just flog to him, man. They (laughs) flog to him. They, they listen to everything. But the reason they do is because, first of all, he doesn't shy away from talking about hard things. Yes. And then secondly, he's so honest and humble about his own struggles, man. His yes. own opinion. You know, you mentioned uh, about him talking about pornography. I mean, that dude. I mean, the dude, when he was at Watermark leading the porch, got up on the main stage yes. and said, hey, I want you to know today, today, man, I started, you know, I looked at uh, someone's, you know, Instagram. And then I followed somebody they followed and, and then so on. He goes, before I knew it, I was looking at images that were not healthy to my eyes. And man, I repented that. And I yes. was being, you know, and like you apologize to the crowd, like as I'm spending time to pray and prep to, to deliver God's <laughs> word, this is the journey I went on and the, the rut I found myself in, in a matter of seconds. Yes. And I'm sorry for that. Dude, like, and this is to the ever... biggest young adults ministry in the world. Oh, <laughs> thousands bro yeah, yeah this isn't in a this isn't in a sunday school room with uh-uh. 10 people this uh-uh. is thousands yes. and another you know another thousands watching online and you know and like what leader does that what pastor does that what you know communicator does that but you know he'll still tell you that that was probably the largest response yes. they had ever seen in one night there was lines of people waiting to confess things and repent of things and talk to pastors and to talk to leaders and counselors. So I always say transparency and authenticity gives permission for people to be transparent and authentic, yes. you know, to go, 
go, man, that guy has the same temptations I do. I want to know about his Jesus. Yes. And man, I think, you know, and I think one of the things we have to do is be honest when we don't know. I think as Christians, Mm -hmm. we panic when we're asked something hard or Mm -hmm. when we're asked a question, we don't know how to answer or we don't know what the answer is. Typically, we just ignore it or we just give it some spiritual jargon or we get offended and then we like get mad and that closes doors. You yes. Know? And so, man, I think just to be able to say, go, you know what? I don't know, man. I don't know. You know, my wife and I, one of the things we've learned from our son is we go, you know what? God's sovereignty, meaning he's in control and he's got a plan and a will. That is a warm blanket about 90% of the time. There's mm-hmm. those other 10% of the time. Knowing that God's in control and knowing he has a plan and a will and a purpose uh, is makes it harder going, God, I don't get what you're doing. I know you're in control. I know you're God, but I don't get what you're doing right now. I don't understand it. Heck, I don't even like it. Mm-hmm. But, man, we would have never felt comfortable saying that five years ago, 10 mm. years ago. Mm. But now we're just at a point where we trust the Lord and we believe authenticity and transparency and being honest gives permission to others to do that. Mm. And I don't think we can really minister to people. And I don't think trans life transformation is not going to happen if people aren't willing to be authentic and honest um, because by default, uh, and it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve running from God mm-hmm. when they rebelled by eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they didn't run to God. They ran from God. Yes. And so our default is always to run from God and try to cover our own nakedness and shame. Yes. Um, and I think the best way to help not do that is for everyone to be okay being honest and transparent and vulnerable because it could, gives permission to others to do it. Shine a light on it. Then the Lord can deal with it. But it's hard to deal with it when you're hiding it in the dark. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Agreed, man. And I think with the younger generation, too, they they are being inundated with all of the, the social media aspects of life, the highlights of life the everything that's good in life and they they get tired of it and they don't want that in their church or in their you know they don't want to be led by someone who just puts off this like shiny everything's good false way of being when it's like man but I'm struggling and that just makes me feel like crap like to know yeah. you know what I'm saying like I'm I'm struggling yeah. hardcore and and to see you up there on your high horse and everything's beautiful and perfect <laughs> and that you don't struggle like that sucks. I, I just feel like crap. And now I feel shame and I feel guilt and I feel like there's something wrong with me. But if they're able to look at Shane Pruin up there and see like, wow, he struggled with that last night too. Or wow, he has bad days or wow, he's suffering or he needs prayer. Like he actually wants prayer from me. The leader wants prayer from me for him. You know, it's like that yeah. right there is a sense of community and like, oh, we are all in this together. This is like a thing. This is, There's an ebb and a flow here. There's you know, contrasting emotions and feelings and some days are good and some days are bad, but it's, this is kind of just a way of, of dealing with these things and, and working towards in a good way under the father, working towards goodness and hope and joy and, and the fruit of the spirit, which is ultimately what we all want. So being real kind of allows them, invites them to like, yo, come, come on this journey with me. Like, I'm not up here telling you like, hey, start your own journey and I'm, I've already made it to the end, but like, join me because this, this is a tough road of life, but there's like little fruit along the way and the further we get down this road, the more the fruit becomes apparent and the more we can pick it and eat it and, and experience what the Father has for us and t- until we reach the end where it's just utter glory and 
unlimited fruit picking. <laughs> Dude, I'm t- and man, what I've found in my experience in ministry uh, with the next generation, man, young adults, college students, high school students, junior high students, when they find a leader that they can trust and they find a leader that they believe is real, they will follow that leader and charge the gates of hell with that leader. Mm. And man, I tell you what, man, if you badmouth or try to roast that leader around them, they will fight you. You know what I mean? They yes, will straight dude. up fight you, dude. They'll <laughs> shank you. Like, man, meaning like they love that leader. And yes, so people say yes. all the time, like, oh, man, young adults, college students, high school, they're so noncommittal. They're so noncommittal. And I'm like, no, no, no. When they catch a vision. Yes. Not when they catch and understand, and then not when they find a leader they can trust. They will straight up like fight you over yes. that leader, man. Yes, yeah. and yeah. and that will spread. If I mean, if you think about yeah. that and you take that a next the a step further, it's like okay, then that spreads to their community, and we start fighting for each other, and that's yep. that's the body of Christ. If we can really, yeah. really hunker down on that and really develop that within our communities of fighting for each other and defending each other and knowing each other's secrets and darkness and struggles and triumphs and you know perseverance and stuff like that it's like man we can we can build this body this organism that together is just ruthless in our determination to spread the gospel and stand up for each other and stand up for what's right yeah i agree man and now you know and and kind of the same vein here's here's something i've been saying lately nick that i do want to like caution my young brothers and sisters in christ in is that you know i think sometimes um like we don't have an issue with transparency and authenticity. I feel like, um, man, our young brothers and sisters, they have that figured out really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're much better at it than us older adults are. Um, but here's where I want to, here's where I often caution our young brothers and sisters that go, Hey, don't just stay stuck there. Like meaning this, like, you know, of course we got the cliche, uh, man, that's very popular that has crept into the church. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay mm-hmm. to not be okay. And man, I agree with that. Like that gives permission for honesty and transparency to go, man, I'm not okay. I desperately need help. But here's where I want to caution my brothers and sisters who have been following the Lord for a minute now is like, man, don't just stay stuck there. Um, because what, what I tend to find with my young brothers and sisters is, man, we'll be in these groups and man, transparency, vulnerable, man, confessing sin. I love it. But then, man, when you start taking a journey, you find brothers and sisters who are confessing the same sin mm-hmm. week after week, mm-hmm. month after month, year after year. Man, praise the Lord for the confession. But, man, there's got to be some gospel freedom and some gospel victory, too. You know what I mean? Yes. And so here's kind of where I say it is like, hey, it's okay to not be okay is not an ending point. That's a starting point because the gospel goes past that. See, the gospel says it's okay to not be okay, but it ain't okay to stay that way when there's another way. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so, man, let God love you so much that he wants you just how you are. But no, he also loves you so much he ain't going to leave you that way. So let let the power of the Holy Spirit in your life give you victory over that, freedom over that, walk in that. Hey, you're not going to be perfect. But, man, there's got to be a point where you go, you know what? I'm not perfect. I'm not who I want to be yet. But praise God, I'm not who I used to be. And I think that's where, if we're not careful in those areas of just being so open, so vulnerable, so transparent, that we almost like – we can almost make an idol out of it going, okay, we're all going to confess sin week after week after week. And we almost kind of make an idol out of confessing 
sin and there's no victory over the sin when the gospel brings victory. And totally. I, I hope that makes sense. That's kind of where the, what's been resonating with me lately. That's good, that man. That's a good point. Area. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a, there's almost, uh, an incentive to get complacent in that, you know, and not power through it and just like, Oh, well, I'll just, I'll just be transparent again about it. And I'll just keep, you know, there's, there's no true repentance of actually turning away from it and then making progress and getting through it and getting on to the next obstacle. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's good, man, dude. This has been uh super, uh, quick. It's gone by really quick. It's already been an hour, which I love. We didn't, we got through like yeah. one of my questions that I had, oh, but yeah, which is, man. which I, what I love, man. I love that it went like yeah. that, but, um, well, you just have to invite me back. Man, yes. We'll, we'll do a part two. Yeah, yeah, dude. Um, so Maybe we just need to set up a time where JP and I can come on together. We can just ping off of oh, each other, man. That'd be a blast. Oh, bro. I'll yeah. just throw questions out there and let you guys do your thing. That would be legit. <laughs> uh, but I just want to ask you about your book that you released last year, yeah. man. I want you to tell the people about um, that because I think it's a, a unique book and a unique perspective and you're, you're tackling some, some cool things. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, Nate, man, thank you for that opportunity yeah. to do that. Yeah. So the book is called Nine Common Lies Christians Believe. Uh, it's available everywhere. Books are sold. Uh, and really, man, it's the overflow of everything we've been talking about, you know, in the journey with our son, Titus, uh, man, early on, we would have well-meaning Christians uh, that would give us sentiments like, well, you know what the Bible says? God won't give you more than you can handle. Or if God calls him home, he'll gain another angel. And we we're like, man, those sound nice, but that's not what the Bible teaches, you know? Mm -hmm. And so kind of over time, we really made a list of going, man, what are some things, some cliches, some sentiments that, man, the Christian community, for lack of a better term, has adopted into their faith, baptized them, and made them a part of their vernacular that aren't biblically true. Mm. You know, so statements like those, man, that we've all heard, you know, uh, follow your heart, believe in yourself. Uh, God won't give you more he can handle. If a loved one dies, God gains another angel. Uh, God just wants me to be happy. Mm. You know, uh, man, God, God's forgotten about me. Or I could never forgive that person. Yes. Or, uh, you know, so-and-so will never change. And, you know, we make that a part of our vernacular, and, and those things are kind of the opposite of what the Bible teaches. And so, man, that's really where the book came is really kind of an overflow of our life to go, man, these are sentiments, um, but they're actually lies that will hold us back in our faith. Because if you think about it, often we share these types of things with people who are struggling, right? You don't say mm -hmm. God won't give you more you can handle to someone who's having the best day of their life. You usually share it with someone who's struggling. And to go back to a term you used earlier from Brendan Manning and C.S. Lewis, uh, you know, used to say this too, is that dark nights of the soul. Yeah. And so here's what we know. What's going to get us through those dark nights of the soul are not these cultural cliches that aren't even biblically true, but what's going to get us through the dark nights of the soul is God's word, the Amen. infinite truth that will always be true. And those things get us through those dark nights of the soul. You Amen. know, so like, I mean, something like, hey, God won't give you more you can handle. No, honestly, like everything is more than we can handle. And if it was about what we can handle, we wouldn't need faith in a holy, all-purpose, sovereign, yes. all-powerful God. Yes. So really the biblical truth is God will never give you more than he can handle through you. So trust him, mm. you know, um, you know, the things so are like, good. hey, believe, believe in yourself. No, nah, we were created to believe in someone bigger than ourselves. Yes. you know. And, and that was the invitation that Jesus gave his disciples. It wasn't, hey, come believe in yourself. It was come deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. But in that, you're going to find life, you know. Um, and so, uh, man, so each chapter just takes one of those cliches. And then what does the Bible actually have to teach about that? 
and a better truth to move forward with. And man, all glory to God, man. The response has been awesome. A lot of churches have done it as sermon series or small group studies. Uh, man, all glory to God on that because, man, Nick, I'm a moron. So God truly gets the glory, man. Like I mentioned earlier, I grew up in the country. Aren't we all, bro? Uh, yeah, dude. So I grew up in the country. So me and my friends used to time each other how long we could hold on to an electric fence without letting go. You know what I mean? So, so I don't Same, have a lot of dude. brain cells left. Same. So, or touch so, it with uh, a stick God. and see how long it takes to travel up into yeah, your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt, man. No doubt. So, so, man, God truly gets the glory on it all, man. It's been a, a fun journey. And it's been so cool to just see how the Lord's used it, man. So all glory to him. So yes. rad, man. And I'll put the link to the book in the show notes, um, oh, awesome. the link to your website in the show notes, link to your Instagram in the show notes. This has been super fun, man. I'm already looking forward to uh, part two and just this relationship, man. You and I are very similar. We have very similar stories and uh, I just see fruit from this later. So thank you for your willingness to do this, Shane. I appreciate it. Hey, it's a true honor, Nate. Thanks for having me on, man. It was a blast. A special thanks to King's Kaleidoscope for the music heard throughout this episode. Also, a big shout out to Capital Floats, aka my favorite sensory deprivation and float tank facility in Northern California. I'm a frequent user there, and the experience is always transformative to say the least. If you're interested in floating and live in Northern Cal, make sure you use promo code LIFEENCHANTED with no spaces at checkout on their website. You'll save a whopping 40% off your first float and you will not find that deal anywhere else. Also, in regards to some of the content shared in these episodes, make sure you always consult your doctor before making any sudden diet or lifestyle changes. If you're interested in connecting with me, you can find me on Instagram at nick.carlisle or send me an email nick at mylifeenchanted.com.